Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Craft of the Draft podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, as usual, Nathan Seppi, joined by John T. Ralph Smith. Once again, we're getting close to Talent League footy being back, John T, and that resumes this week. But another interesting week of football for different reasons. How was your weekend? Yeah, my weekend was great. Got to go down and watch the Young Guns versus Vic Country clash, the second game that the Young Guns played. So I got to see some mid-season draft prospects and also the Vic Country boys had their final opportunity to press their claims to be included in the final squad. So it was a good game. And, and you watched the AFL Academy, Nate? Yeah, well, I'm a Carlton supporter, so I just naturally was at the game before as well. And we don't usually talk about the top prospects, but it worked well this week where... Jonty was at the country and I was able to get to the Oz game. Yeah. Um, so it was good. It was actually interesting considering all this podcast is about is the, not the top prospects. It was weird to sit back and see the top prospects for the first time, especially all the interstate boys I haven't really had a chance to see. So it was interesting. And uh, the, yeah, the Australian boys got the win in the end, which was pretty impressive. Yeah, certainly an impressive result and, and good that it was a competitive hit out for them. And I know a lot of players, from what I've heard and, and little snippets that I've seen, were able to do some really impressive things, Nate. I think that was led to some degree by some interstate prospects. Do you want to start with them and who caught your eye from an interstate point of view? Like you say, you wouldn't have seen as much of them given the podcast does primarily focus on the Victorian Talent League-based prospects. Yeah, well, it was interesting because I think the only interstate team I've watched was the Gold Coast Academy, but, you know, they played Eastern and my focus was on Eastern, right? Because yeah, just focusing on the Vic team. So I never really noticed Jake Rogers and Jed Walter in the game. Like I'd heard about them, but they weren't very prominent in that game because I'd assume that, I mean, based off their scores, the depth isn't as good as the, you know, the talent league teams, but Jed Walter was Oh, he was actually best on ground in the end. Oh, Jake Rogers, sorry. Mix him up. Jake Rogers was best on ground. Uh, it was a very impressive performance. He was just so quick and dashy off half back. His ball use yeah. was just superb every time he touched it. Wouldn't turn it over. And even just if there was a turnover from another, you know, from another teammate, quick, quick to run back, put some pressure on. Just very effective with every time he touched it. And can say the same for Jed Walter. He's so built already, which is a, a common theme we've seen nowadays with these 18s boys. Some of them are built already to, to, you know, just to move into the seniors when they do eventually get there. But he was really impressive. Great overhead marking, great kicking, just really strong and tough. Someone you don't really want to mess with in the forward 50. Uh, not An interstate player, Colby McKercher, but one that is in the talent league we brought up, was really impressive as well. Really dominant around the stoppage. Just really crafty and He's not extremely big. He's quite like he's probably a bit smaller, but weaves in and out really well. Good with his hands, especially, and even his kicking was really good down at, at times with the transition. So he was really impressive. Uh, Jack Delene, South Australian prospect, was pretty lively. I thought good burst speed out of stoppages, and his running patterns were really impressive. I thought he was getting up and down, but holding his width and shape really well. And then the last one I sort of want to mention from the interstate boys was Mitch Edwards. WA prospect. I didn't see as much of him. Well, didn't think as highly as him, of him as uh, other journos probably saw on the day. But I thought in the last quarter he was really impressive. Took some really strong marks, and you know they're playing against men. They're playing yeah. against men, and so it's the toughest opponents in terms of size. So he was really impressive. Got a goal. 
He actually had two good plays in like the space of five minutes, a goal assist and a goal. Yeah, love so it. you know, too quick on the board. But that is uh that's my interstate wrap up. Yeah, so it's always important, I suppose, to perform in the last quarter. So yeah, um all kudos goes to to him and, and you touch on Colby McCurcher as well. We got the Tassie Devils coach Jeremy Webley on the podcast last week to chat all things Tasmania talent pathway, obviously the Tassie team going to be introduced into the AFL in 2028. So it was good to get an insight from him, but he's got a great asset there in McCurcher and it'll be interesting to see where McCurcher's used throughout the season. We know he's had a great start to the talent league season. So how he's able to continue to progress himself to get himself ready to go to the next level, which you no doubt will, will be a great watch for the rest of the season. Um, an allies teammate of his um, in the upcoming national champs carnival is Riley Sanders. So perhaps that's a good segue to the to the Vic boys, I guess, with Riley Sanders obviously representing the Sandringham Dragons in the Talent League. Do you want to start with him? I know he racked up a little bit of disposal, and then from there, if you want to talk about any other Victorian prospects that impressed you, know? Yeah, well, Riley got a lot of the ball, and we've I've definitely I'm very strong on this that a lot of touches does not equal a good game. Yeah, it was definitely a very impressive game for Riley. It was would show everything he's capable of, but he does still need some polish with his ball use at times. And I think that just gets left out at times. And it's just had a lot of touches means a lot of impact, which yeah. sometimes it does. Like it will with some midfielders and it definitely does at times with Riley. We've seen that in the first couple of weeks with Sandy, um, but it was, it was a good performance, but that's my perspective. I thought he just needed some polish at times, but under a lot of pressure, there's a, you know, first time they've or second time they've been around fully grown men. So it's, it is a bit of a well, different different pressure to what you have at talent league level. Uh, the other three, other three, two Metro and one country. I'll start with Zane Dersma. Didn't come on until probably he didn't really have as much game time. It was a bench of ten. A lot of players actually. I mean, Cooper Simpson's one that we talk about a bit, and uh, George Stevens. Like they didn't get much game time. Uh, they were yep. off quite a bit. But I'm, I mean, I'm sure they probably got more game time in the first one. I was saying Dernsville, he's pretty impactful, kicked a really good goal on the run from 45 out. Uh, and then an interesting thing I picked up with him is he played in the back line in the last quarter on Jack Martin, which was interesting because he, we haven't seen too much of him in that position. So I've, I sort of liked that trial, but uh, they, I mean, the, the Australian boys had a lot of it. So he did, we didn't, I didn't actually get to see much yeah. of what he was capable of defensively. Um, and then the two Vic Metro boys, Archie Roberts and Nathan Philactides, uh, Archie Roberts, I mean, he's a personal favourite of mine, just the way he plays. I love how he holds his shape in the back line. I thought he did that really well. I mean, he had some tough moments with the physicality, obviously, but, you know, a lot of those boys did. Holding his shape really well, wasn't pushing forward too much and had a really impressive game in terms of, like, a key position. that He, he plays that position very well and did it on a big stage as well. And then Nathan Philactides, bigger improvement from what we saw last week in the uh, Metro Young Guns game where... I don't think he hit a target every you know at any point, which was just an off game for him. Um, but he turned that around and was really good, really efficient with the ball. He's probably similar to Riley Sanders. Had a good game, but it just needs some polish at times. But that will come. Yeah. That will come with yeah. experience. So, yeah, that's my wrap-up. And I didn't want to focus on it too much because, obviously, that's not the point of the podcast. But it is interesting. We haven't talked about it. So that's a bit of a wrap-up from them. But... We're going to move to your game now, Jonty, which was Big Country and Young Guns, which is at Princess Park, which you have strong dislikes against watching, which I agree to an extent is not the not the best ground to watch from. But the Young Guns got up in a very close one. 
Yep, yeah, they did. Um, so, yeah, Johan Petrick kicked the winning goal uh, with three or four minutes on the clock. Or, yeah, probably, yeah, two and a half, three minutes on the clock and had a, an opportunity to kick a goal about a minute earlier, missed, and then from the kick-in, um, the young guns were able to generate a turnover and Nick Newton was able to hit uh, Jovan Petrick 20 out pretty much directly in front. And, and it was an impressive kick because the, I suppose, mid to forward connection all day was a little bit off probably from both sides, despite it being a very good day for footy. So it was it was a good hit from Nick Newton and Murray Bushrangers prospect. And yeah, they were able to hold on after Vic Country had come at them hard in the last quarter. The young guns had led for much of the day. So able to get up, but a competitive finish nonetheless, which was able to showcase who stood up late. Ryan Marich did something really good defensively. He played in defence throughout the day, and, and Cade Talaru and Kobe James, both part of an important centre clearance that almost gave the country one last chance to, to snatch it back. But yeah, no, a good game overall. Well, let's go back to Cade Delarue and a, you know, a plethora of Dandenong boys that were playing. Give me a bit of a recap of how they went. I mean, there were a lot of them on the day. Who yep. was the top performer from that group and who stood out as well? Yeah, you could uh, you could make an argument for either Cade Delarue or Billy Wilson, I think. Um, I think Cade Delarue did it in the forward line, really busy, really lively when he was around the footy, probably as well as I've seen him play. Uh, kicked, I reckon he would, I think he kicked a goal, um, but certainly was involved in a couple of score involvements and attacking chains and his pressure was really good as well. And it looks like he's one who'll start in that forward line as I said before, was moved into the centre in that last centre clearance, had a hand in that final clearance and was able to advance them forward. So we know he's done that at times and he might get the opportunity to do that a little bit with the Stingrays, but expect to see him in the forward line for the Vic Country team at the national championships. Billy Wilson down back was arguably best on ground alongside him. His dash is really impressive and is really catching a lot of people's eyes. And it would be a big surprise to me if he wasn't a starter in Vic Country's first national championships game. He he just kicks some. He took some of the kickouts from fullback. Was able to hit a target forty or fifty meters away, then get the overlap handball and continue running. And and I think there were a couple of times where he even got three possessions in the chain. So continues to back himself and he's really aggressive. He's a good rebounder. And he's, he's really good and dangerous when he's in space. So those were the two standouts. Sam Frangalis kicked a couple of goals and he's kicking, which has been an area of, I suppose, um, critique, I suppose, in the past, was was pretty polished on the day. Uh, Harry DiMatteo was really strong. We know he's really good around the ball and he showed that. Got a couple of really nice centre clearances and general clearances around the ground. And also Jacob Grant is one who kicked a goal and showed why there is sort of mild interest in him. Uh, so they were probably the main ones. It was good to see Kobe Ship in action. He was on a wing. Um, we know what he can do in defence is that sort of intercepting type, but probably needs to show that little bit of versatility. So he did a couple of things that were nice on a wing. I think they were the they were the main players from a Dandenong perspective. You had Ziggy Toledo, Glasman and Josiah Nanup also represent the young guns. Ziggy had a, had a sprightly start and probably wasn't able to maintain it for the full game like he was the previous week. But yeah, I think the Dandenong um, out of the six or seven country clubs would have been the most pleased with how their prospects went as a whole. And then you've, you sort of mentioned about the Vic country while how they were impressive off the half back line. And you've, you've got Billy Wilson as an example, who else was impressive on that day and contributed to that? Yeah, well, I think Lamont Lawal was one who came into it, particularly in the second half and 
was able to use his he's got a similar skill set to Billy, use his rebound and took a couple of really nice intercept marks and just took off. And Angus Hasty as well is one I really like, a Geelong Falcons prospect who got a bit of the footy. So it'll be interesting to see how the Vic Country half back line does shape up. I know there's been a bit of talk about how strong the Vic Metro half back line's gonna look with Nathan Falactides and Archie Roberts, Ollie Barters in that mix as well, and, and there's a few others. But I think just as much you could look at the the halfback line of Vic Country and say that's going to be really strong when you've got Lawal and Hasty and Wilson all competing for that position and then playing really well on the day and staking their claims. Kobe Ship's preferred position is probably off halfback. You've got Toby Trevalia, who I'm a big fan of at Bendigo as a bottom major. Does he get a look in at halfback? Can play that similar rebounding defender role where he just takes off so yeah I'll be really interested to see how they shape up and how many players sort of rotate through that line yeah it will be interesting to see how that turns out but it's uh, looking very strong to start with and will get even better we're assuming but another talking point Hamish Pearson and Will Dawson that match up on the day what stood out about that was it fun to watch what was what was intriguing about that matchup yeah, Will Dawson's one who is starting to really impress me from a Gippsland perspective. Obviously, I think I've watched him three or four times now, whether that be with the power or um, with the young guns. He's one who has been under the tutelage of Trent Noble. Trent's no longer at the Gippsland club, but um, yeah, would have learned a lot off an ex-AFL Ruckman and now he's playing forward. He's obviously also capable of going through the ruck. But yeah, on the day he played on Hamish Pearson, a Geelong Falcons prospect, who was able to keep him relatively quiet and um, I thought he was really good in terms of his positioning and ability to spoil the ball and not do anything illegal with regards to giving away free kicks or that sort of thing. It was it was really impressive because Will Dawson is a big sort of rugged country player and does tend to convert his opportunities when he's given the opportunity to mark and go back and, and kick a set shot. He does look quite dangerous. He did kick a couple of goals on the day, but I do think that doesn't necessarily do justice to how well Hamish Pearson played. When I look at the game as a whole, I think that he he did more to enhance his stocks than he did to decrease his stocks, Hamish Pearson. So one to keep an eye on that was able to play a lockdown role and was reasonably effective in doing so. Um, so that was, a, that was a nice one to watch throughout the day. Um, Hamish Pearson obviously representing the, the young guns. And I guess the last talking point, Lockie Charlson, we heard yep. a lot about him to start the season and he was a player that I think we both thought just seemed a bit too inconsistent, at least to start. But I think from round three onwards and especially uh, that, that game in Bendigo, he's since then stayed consistent and it's been yep. a linear improvement. He, and he kicked a good bag, which you'll tell me about. But what was impressive about his game? And even if you compare it to you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were in Bendigo and the weeks before, what's what's changing, what's evolving and making him stand out and actually make a lot of impact every game? Yeah, I don't know if, if there's been this, if, it, if the performance on the weekend necessarily highlighted any improvement from that game. But I, I, what I sort of look at is now, like you say, it's sort of been a body of work. We've seen it over three weeks. Hopefully he can now sustain it over five or six weeks and he can sustain it over a few games at that sort of big country level. Um he was really impressive. He kicked four goals and played off half forward. So, yeah, really good and was able to hit a few targets around the ground. His field kicking was reasonable and was, you know, we obviously know he's, he's not a, he doesn't have a, have a lot of size to work with, but he still packs a punch. And um, I thought it was a, it was a good performance from him, particularly in the first half. So just seeing him continue that body of work 
and put his name forward was really impressive because, like you say, we've heard a lot about him, but um, now he's starting to really show why his name has been put on the map by people around the Rebels. And then I guess the last talking point really is the mid-season prospects. Yep. Out of what you saw, we've and we've seen two games, you've seen two, I've seen one. Like, who are the main ones we should probably watch out for? Who are the most likely? Or even if it's not the most likely, just the ones who have probably shown enough to get their names out there and give themselves a shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess focus on a talent league perspective. I'll quickly touch on the fact that I think um, across the two games, Jed Longmire and Archer May both showed enough to to suggest that they've got traits that could transfer to the next level. Archer May, obviously a key position prospect. He kicked a couple of goals this week. I think, I think he kicked a couple of goals last week. As well, he can. He's really good overhead. Can take good contested mark. Jed Longmire played forward on the day um, on the weekend in the second game, and we saw how well he went um, in the first week as well. He was able to rack up a heap of the footy, so he's shown that versatility. He's gone reasonably at Collingwood VFL, so there are a couple of VFL prospects to keep your eye on. Archer May at Richmond VFL, having been a graduate of the Sandringham Dragons. Um, but from a talent league perspective, Rye Penny, a quarter cannons prospect who was a train on at Collingwood, has a has a volleyball background and a very good vertical leap. He's one to keep an eye on. He played off half back. He's he's played for Calder through the midfield at times, but it was off half back on the weekend and he looked really good, was able to take some marks and use that vertical leap that we know he has. Uh, Clay Tucker, we know he's been regarded probably correctly as being the most likely to go pick one in the mid-season draft so far. And what he showed on the weekend was quite impressive. We always know how good he's going to, or how well he's going to go in the ruck, sorry. Um, but he, he also went up forward and was very good as well. I, I suppose the, the thing with him up forward is, is it would be great to see him just sort of allow it to get kicked into him rather than trying to be that lead-up target. Um, if he allows it to get kicked into him, then he's got that natural size that he's going to be able to use and grow into his body and wrestle opponents off him. But there's so much up, upside with him, and, and he showed why clubs are so interested in him again on the weekend. Ryan Marriage played in defence, as I touched on, did a few good things, was efficient enough, but certainly looks like Ford is where his home will be. We know he's a little bit undersized, so good to see him showing a little bit of versatility. I think he's, he's shown enough whether... He's been overhyped to some degree, I'm not sure. Um, but that that's that's a subjective opinion. Um, I, I do still I do still think there's a lot of likable traits about him. Will Elliott, um, one from Oakley who's improved every time I've seen him, recovering from cartilage damage in his knee and he did some really nice things as well. Um, then you've got Luke Teal, who played through the midfield. He's a Richmond VFL slash Oakley Chargers prospect, but he's known for his intercept marking down back. So he, he was another one who impressed. And and they were probably the main ones. Ziggy Toledo Glasman probably falls into that Ryan Marich category to some degree in that he's a little bit undersized. There's a little bit less interest in him, but his athletic capabilities, I suppose, mean that if it's not mid-season draft, then there's still the capacity for him to get drafted down the track if he does want to stick at it in VFL. We know he's at the Stingrays at the moment, but he's also on Casey's VFL list as well. So we might see him playing against men later in the year. But I think that would be the the main ones that played for the young guns that are listed as overages in VFL programs, as well as Archie Sinnott, um, I should mention as well, who was very good through the midfield um, and is also listed at a VFL club, uh, Werribee, I believe. They're the main ones to keep an eye on. Well, that sort of wraps up those two talking points in the Oz game and Big Country Young Guns. So now we move back. What we haven't done for nearly a month now 
we're going yep. to go back to our tips. So we're going to start with the girls' competition. It is back. And as far as we're concerned, the girls are not affected by APS. No, they're not. So we are, we're going to see the same teams or very similar to what we saw in the first four weeks. So let's get it started. Sydney and Tasmania. This one's in Sydney. It's a very tough one because Sydney are actually a very good academy from the, what we saw oh, in the we, first oh, sorry, couple of weeks. Are we talking boys or girls here? We're talking about boys. boys. Oh, sorry, the okay. girls. The girls. Even I'm messing up there. I'm messing so up. Girls, the girls. So the girls. girls. Um, okay. But well, this is really tough. I'm going to back Tassie. Yeah, yeah, so am I. I think they've they've had some players, it's worth mentioning as well, Tassie, who have played VFLW in recent weeks. So, yeah, I'm going to back them to get it done by a couple of goals. Then the second game of the round, Murray and Brisbane. Uh, this one's in Craigieburn. Murray, they, I mean, they've had a pretty tough start. Uh, Brisbane's yeah. academy, I think it's the first time we've seen them for the girls. Yeah. So this is this could go either way because we have no idea. Let's. Just, oh, I'm going to back Murray. I'll go Brisbane just to be different. And then Gippsland and the Northern Territory. Yeah. If there's any game for Gippsland to potentially get a win, we know Northern yep. Territory and the boys' competition aren't very good. I don't know. And again, we haven't seen them yet, so tough mm. to tip. I hope Gippsland get it done. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Gippsland get it done. We know they've been trying in the first few weeks. We've got it tough with, obviously, few local teams to select from, but I'll say the power as well. And then GWV and Gold Coast, this is a double header at Princess Park, Icon Park. Again, a tough one. Is this the first time we've seen Gold Coast? Uh, from a girl's perspective, I believe so, yeah. I'll back the Rebels. They're impressive yeah. either way. Yeah, I, I like the Rebels. I think they had a couple of wins in the first part, but I think that could easily have been a couple more if they, if they played some easier opposition. And then the last game of the round, it's a... Pretty short round. All the, every team comes back from next week. Uh, Bendigo and Geelong, another double header. Mm. Uh, probably uh, Geelong are probably the favourites, just, but it will probably be a com- very competitive matchup. But yeah, I do have to say Geelong will will get it done. Yeah, another big performance from Sarah Howley and Geelong to get it done for me. Now let's move to the boys. Uh, this one Friday night will be at this one. Yeah. Uh, at Frankston. So first time the Dandy boys are playing at Frankston this year. They had a game at the end of last year, which attracted pretty good crowds. So hopefully we get the same on Friday night. Dandy on and Oakley, a lot of changes for both teams we're expecting and across the whole boys' competition. More so expecting... from an Oakley perspective, there'll be changes in this one. Less so from a Dandy on. There, there will still be changes, obviously. But, yeah, I think Oakley will be more affected by those changes. And... They still have Falak Tides and Billy Hicks, but I, I, I do think that they'll still get it done. The Stingrays, uh, they'll be too strong by about five goals. Yeah, tough one. And we've copped some slack from some Oakley people. And yeah, I'm going to back Oakley. I'll, I'll, give them, I'll give them a chance. I'll say Oakley get it done. Okay. And then uh, we move to the Saturday, Eastern and Brisbane. Yeah, Eastern get it done. Yeah. Yeah, there shouldn't be too much more to say about that. It'd be interesting to see if we get to see Rye Cantwell. Um, hopefully we get to see him for the first time this season. Um, and I say Eastern by four goals. And then Gippsland and Western uh, in Morwell. Uh, mm. Yeah, another one, tough one to pick from. And, and all these tips, will, I think next week will be a much easier round to tip than this week because we simply do not know which teams are going to walk out. I'll give Gippsland, I'll, I'll back him considering it's at home. It's the road trip for the Jets, so 
got a back to home. Yeah, team. neither of them will be overly affected by by um school footy. And I would say that Gippsland are overall the stronger program this year or the stronger squad. So I'll say Gippsland by a couple of goals. Then this is probably the most 50-50 game of the round, Murray and Sandy. This one's in Wangaratta. So it's yeah. Sandy's first real road trip of the year. So St. Uh, Kevin's have the bye. So you're going to have guys like Billy McGee, Gallon Birdie, who played a really good game in round four. And these sort of players are going to play. I think Sandy get to keep four or five because of St. Kevin's bye. Chin Paris, another one. Um, but, yeah, it'll still be tough because there'll still be 14 changes, I think, at least. I'm going to back Murray. Uh, you seem to think Sandy will do this, not comfortably, but you, you haven't really gone against, like, you haven't backed Murray. God, it is, it's tough because it I, tough. I, I, I mean, I look at it and I think, I think Sandy's strong, strong players like your Will Brown, you're still going to have like Harvey Johnston, you're still going to have, um, God, now all the players have deserved me. You're still going to have Tarkin O'Leary, who's around the sort of Vic Metro. Um, we saw him in the Vic Metro trials. They're still going to have some strong players. But, yeah, that depth that has probably gotten them over the line a little bit. Yeah, I am going to go Murray. I'm going to, I'm going to, say, I'm going to say Murray in a tight oh, one. There we go. A goal. Uh, there we are. Well, I've, I said I'd back Murray as well. Uh, oh, this is a doubleheader as well with the girls, Sydney and Tasmania again. Um Sydney have some glimpses, but Tassie should get it done. Yeah, yeah, I'll back Tassie by a couple of goals. And then to the Sunday, Bendigo and Geelong, like we said, double-headed with the girls. Mm. Tough again. Mm. This actually be very competitive. Uh, yeah. yeah, this would be a very good game too. I think I'm watching this one, so I'm excited to see what comes out of this one. But oh, I'm going to say Geelong will continue their good form. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that the private school players, if they lose to Geelong College and Geelong Grammar and, and that sort of thing, is just going to hurt them too much. So I'm going to say Bendigo by five goals. Been cool, sort of. GWV, Gold Coast to round, round out the, the return. Uh, again, doubleheader, GWV. Yeah, 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 agree. Well, that wraps it up. We're certainly not clipping these tips because I think we got so stuck on who to tip that I don't even think if we clip these for our socials, they would be short at all. So that's a that's the most extended tip we've ever done, but it will be much yeah. quicker next week. But thank you guys for watching. Uh, yeah, next week, back to, back to normal in terms of what we've been doing, uh, just round reviews, and we will be in contact again with the coaches. And it's actually good because players who we haven't seen much of will now get a chance, so... I'm sure some listen to this or watch this. So play well. You'll get your name read out in a way. So looking forward to it. But once again, thank you, Jonty, for joining. And we will catch you in the next episode.